clearly the risk of carbon leakage is, even if it hasn't been in great evidence until now, it is a risk that increases as climate ambition increases. Welcome everyone. This is the first podcast of the series Spot on Climate brought to you by the Climate Area of the Florence School of Regulation. Here, we will discuss with major experts in the climate field the core political and economic questions we are facing on the way to carbon neutrality. I'm Albert Ferrari, a research associate at FSR Climate, and today it's my pleasure to welcome Peter Vince, senior advisor at Wood Peterson Public Affairs and senior research associate at the School of Transnational Governance here at EY. Pleasure. Glad to be here with you, Albert. In this podcast, the discussion will focus on the rationale and the challenges behind the proposal of the European Commission for a Carbon Adjustment Mechanism. So, Peter, the European Commission considers that a carbon border adjustment mechanism, or CBAM, for certain imported products would help to reduce the risk of carbon leakage, which is the risk of companies transferring production to countries that are less strict about emissions. With a CBAM, the price of import would reflect more accurately their carbon content. This would ensure that the EU's climate objectives are not undermined by production relocating to countries with less ambitious policies. So according to you, what's the case for a CBAM? I think before you talk about whether or not a CBAM's a good idea or not, um, we should remember that the problem it's trying to solve is where there may be carbon leakage, uh, that is to say companies choosing to relocate outside the European Union in order to avoid the regulatory costs of climate change policies. Um, and the first point I would make is that although carbon leakage has been much talked about in the last 15 and 20 years or so, there is still little evidence that there has been much delocalization of industry in the time it's been uh, in operation so far. And I think it's true to say that many other factors influence the decisions of companies as to whether, produce, whether to produce in Europe or elsewhere. And there are clearly other factors that have a big influence on those decisions. Uh, for example, you know, exchange rate variations can far exceed uh, the impact of a variable carbon price. Um, availability of, you know, qualified personnel and things like that are all, and, and closeness to the markets. These are all issues that influence the decisions as to where to locate new investment. So uh, I think, of course, as well, it's, it's not so much existing investments that might shut down and relocate. I think the risk of carbon leakage is something that will happen very slowly insofar as new investment might be, you know, might be redirected away from Europe if it is perceived that the regulatory costs are too high. Um, so we would indeed suffer a leakage problem over time, 
just by the fact that foreign direct investment in the EU uh, goes somewhere else. And that would, of course, um, be something we absolutely don't want to see. But clearly, the risk of carbon leakage is, even if it hasn't been uh, in great evidence until now, it is a risk that increases as climate ambition increases. So given the fact that the new European Commission president uh, has come along into the job saying, I want to revisit the 2030 targets for climate change and increase what has previously been agreed substantially, then of course, the whole suite of measures, of uh, policy measures would have to be more ambitious. And one can assume that the carbon price will increase in the future. And it's really with respect to that future perspective of increased carbon pricing that the question of carbon leakage has become very topical. So is it a good idea? Let's just run through the pros and cons. I think intellectually, there can be a very coherent case for a carbon border adjustment mechanism. Um, it does, if you like, try to make imports bear an equivalent burden in terms of regulatory costs as domestic production, European production. Um, if the levy is put on imports of the same goods. So the case for it, leveling the playing field is something that uh, is obvious and intellectually coherent. It enables the, having a carbon border adjustment mechanism enables the European Union to be more ambitious in the future as it wants to be and might encourage other countries to raise their climate ambition too so that products manufactured in those other countries are not subject to such a charge. I think the president of the European Commission has framed this very much in terms of wanting Europe to be ambitious and encourage others to be more ambitious. And the CBAM is seen as a tool that would encourage greater global ambition. And indeed, it may also generate revenues. Um, and this is a tricky issue, as I will expand upon. But so far, the European Council has made conclusions that say that they welcome the revenues that would be levied um, and that those might go towards uh, the European Union budget. Now, those are the arguments that might be described as the pros. What are the cons? Well, I think the most awkward thing about a carbon border adjustment mechanism is that it requires a judgment to be made on the level of climate ambition of other countries. We are, in effect, the European Union, if they were to do this unilaterally, would be putting themselves in a position where they pass judgment on the 
pledges that have been made by others under the Paris Agreement. And of course, the Paris Agreement provides that member states should determine their own nationally determined contributions. Um, and there isn't a system of vetting of them as such. So I'm not sure how it would be perceived. I think actually it would be perceived rather negatively that the European Union was seen as passing judgment on the efforts of others. Also, the carbon border adjustment mechanism will be complex to administer. And I think so far, since the introduction of the emissions trading system, it has been the administrative complexities that have argued against such a mechanism being used in the past, particularly in the absence of there being clear evidence of there being carbon leakage. Um, and the complexity of, mon of monitoring emissions or estimating emissions in imports is also a complexity due to the fact that it's using a different carbon accounting methodology than is used in the European Union and elsewhere in the world to attribute emissions under the Paris Agreement. Uh, under the UN treaties until now, the emissions of a country have been those that have been coming out of the chimney stacks or the factories located on that country's territory. And, you know, what has been made in China is China's emissions and, and wherever the products might then be exported to. Um, and conversely, the import of materials from goods from China have not counted towards the emissions of the European Union. So if you like, the methodology has been one of production, measuring the emissions related to the production of goods rather than the consumption of goods. And of course, a CBAM is different because Essentially, it is trying to estimate the carbon embodied in products that are imported into the European Union and consumed there. And in that respect, it's a different accounting methodology. Um, and it is one that is more complicated and somewhat uh, at risk of perhaps uh, double counting the same emissions to some extent which may or may not have been regulated in the country of origin, they would be uh, regulated again on import to the European Union. Finally, the revenues that might be generated from a carbon border adjustment mechanism are those on the imported goods that might be coming from developing countries. Um, and if that were to be the case, finance would actually be flowing from developing countries to the developed European Union and into the European Union's budget, possibly. And that is a reversal of the normal financial flows that are foreseen in the Paris Agreement, whereby, you know, the developed world will help finance the carbon, the climate transition all over the world in developing countries too. And the least developed countries in particular are in need of funds. So this reversal of the revenue flows is going to make it much harder to be um, 
a popular measure internationally, uh, but we'll have to, of course, see how things pan out because there are ways one might uh, mitigate that particular perception. So that's the first uh, pros and cons, I would say, Albert, uh, in answer to your first question. Indeed, you mentioned that the CBAM might be complex to implement in terms of administration and methodology. Well, today we know that the European Commission will be presenting a proposal for a CBAM in June 2021, while the European Parliament has already put forward its proposal earlier in March. So given the political decision to do it, how might it work? Right. Well, the, it's making it work is what really matters, isn't it? Um, and the Commission has, since the beginning, always said that it wants this carbon border adjustment mechanism to be WTO compatible. Um, now, the World Trade Organization rules would, in, would require that similar goods must bear a similar burden in the EU to the burden that is now being put on imports. So straight away, um, we could not uh, levy a charge on goods or products that are not uh, covered by the carbon pricing mechanisms we have in Europe. Or else, if they were to do so, we would have to simultaneously introduce a carbon price on those goods. Um, so that's a precondition, and I think it lends itself towards saying that first the sectors or the, the goods manufactured would have to be covered by the emissions trading system that we have in Europe already. Um, and then we could, of course, uh, argue those goods, the production of those goods in Europe incur this regulatory cost of carbon in Europe, and therefore it could be applied to similar goods that are imported. Um, there are perhaps other ways of implementing a CBAM that, uh, that look more like an excise duty. There are excise duties imported, uh, imposed on the imports of some products, in particular oil, for example, is subject to excise duties on importation. Um, just as it's subject, if you were to produce oil from within the European Union, it's all treated equally. The problem with taxes is that in Europe, it requires unanimous agreement of all the member states, which has proven very hard to get. Um, whereas the emissions trading directive as, a, as an instrument would be agreed uh, on the basis of qualified majority voting in the council and in co-decision with the European Parliament. So the ideas are to perhaps, uh, I think most likely to apply the CBAM to things like possibly electricity, possibly cement, possibly steel, possibly chemicals such as ammonia or hydrogen, which are all covered by the emissions trading system today. Um, but then you've got 
a very, very difficult uh, problem to resolve, which is how to compare the equivalence of the regulatory burden being borne by European producers of those goods compared to the regulatory burdens overseas. And I think that it really is a comparison difficult to make. It could most obviously be sort of compared with whether or not there is a carbon pricing regime in the country of origin of the goods. Do they have an emissions trading system? And if so, is the price of carbon in that system comparable? Um, it will, in deciding how it will work, uh, there will also have to be taken into account the extent to which certain goods are really threatened by the carbon price that they incur. That they are, and, and that depends on the extent to which carbon costs can be passed through. I mean, in the case of electricity, if there is a carbon price incurred, it can be passed through to the final consumers because we can't in Europe buy our electricity from Southeast Asia. Um, so there's no, there's a possibility for the producers to just pass it through and for consumers in Europe to have to pay. That's not true for all goods, uh, whereby global prices of non-ferrous metals, for example, might well be set on global markets and European producers just have to absorb the extra costs of carbon because they are not able to charge more on international markets um, with whom, you know, with, with compete, competitors who are producing those same non-ferrous metals, just for ex as an example. And estimating the costs of competitors overseas is difficult. You need to know all the regulations they are subject to, the stringency of those regulations um, and whatever else, whatever other kinds of help they might be get, being given. I mean, if they have an emissions trading system, but they're given all the allowances that they need in their country of origin for free, one might argue there is no regulatory burden to compensate for, even if there is an emissions trading system in that country. So there's lots of factors to take into account. Um, and of course, we do already take some measures in Europe to address carbon leakage. Most notably, uh, we allocate allowances in our emissions system for free to many of the industry sectors who's, who are competing on global markets. Um, and, you know, that must also be taken into account in any levying of a charge on imports, because we could not discriminate against imports, or that measure would clearly be protectionist. So I think I've flagged the major uh, difficulties of introducing a carbon border adjustment mechanism. Um, and I think the Commission has more than enough work on its plate to try and make this tool operational and to, you know, make it acceptable to third countries. So I, I, I leave it there. Uh, and. Uh, you can ask me another question out there. And I will do so, but in another episode. Thank you, Peter, for inaugurating this podcast series, Spot on Climate. 
and stay tuned. In the next episode, we'll focus on the design and implementation of the CBAM in practice.